group of young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello, and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about how cool dogs are. My name is Morgan. Hell yeah, my name is Kate. <laughs> and my name is Jason. Woo, dogs, dogs are cool. Who let the dogs out? Oh my god. If anything, dogs need to be protected and always. <laughs> yes, they are precious. And now we know they're even more precious than just like the gays. But we always yeah. <laughs> We always knew. Uh today we're talking about part two of book ten, the Android. And we have just learned that the androids in question are not evil Yerk allies, but in fact fight against the Yerks. Yes. So that's cool and good. They it's, are. It's it's it for now. <laughs> I still go back to what I said last episode where it's like there's there's a there I, I like where we're going with this and there's a lot of potentiality for it. I still think there's a possibility of evil undertone, like something can switch really quickly. What, whether it's willful or not, that's why I'm not totally convinced. I'm like, it could be like like because they're they're a computer, like maybe somebody can override take control, it. Like, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. like you know, maybe like the the robot might be peaceful on their side, but like if they're discovered and you know, Yerks can figure out how to override their software. Yep. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, especially coming with the end of this book and seeing how powerful they are. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, androids are powerful. Reference to Star Trek Next Gen data. <laughs> so, so like androids, are they just like robots in the shape of a living creature, or are like androids like have to be human shape? I don't know actually, because obviously, because we are uh, so human centric and egocentric, we automatically think it all is in the shape of humans. But I wonder if android in definition just means taking the shape of something. Nope. Okay. It so- is defined as a robot with human appearance. So yeah, okay. yep. I, I okay. did Google that as well. But they don't <laughs> have to be bi- but they don't have to be bionic. Correct. That would That's be a cyborg. Thing. Okay. Gotta get our sci-fi right. <laughs> well, I just think this android is more progressive because it is more in resemblance to its creators, which we find out are part dog. <laughs> yeah. Or dogs are part them. Well, yeah, Rather. dogs are derivative of their creative uh, creator species, which let's, are resemble. Let's just say let's put on our ancient alien hats or wigs, and we're gonna get to <laughs> the good, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When do you want to insert some spider facts? Yes, I was just about to say. Let's yeah. get knowledgeable up in here. Especially okay. since the spider, as I mentioned last week, does come back, so we're we're gonna get more spider fun. All right, so before we get started in picking up where we left off, just a reminder, we left off with Marco almost getting eaten in his spider morph by a crow. No, he does get eaten. Full on getting eaten. Okay, sorry. He's getting eaten. He's going down the gullet of a crow, and he's dying (laughs) in his spider morph, and so he morphs out and explodes the crow, falls out of the air, and this was all in view of uh, the sharing uh, going on at the lake and the androids who they were snooping on that were at the sharing end up finding Marco in the brush in the woods and keeps his cover as he morphs out of spider and they confront each other. But we kind of wanted to give a few wolf spider facts since the wolf spider is so prevalent in this story. And I think we talked about it at some point, but on the cover, 
we were talking about how we thought like the cover image probably it looked more tarantula than wolf spider i did end mm-hmm. up looking up the tarantula's eyes are way smaller generally within the different species of tarantula uh and the wolf spider mm-hmm. on the cover with those big they have like two big eyes and a bunch of uh, their other little small ones. That's actually is more reminiscent of a wolf spider. Uh, and wolf spiders' colorings uh, do vary within how they can blend into their surroundings. So even though it looked kind of tarantula-esque in this uh, cover image, I think that might be a wolf spider just by uh, general uh, appearance and uh, physiology. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I cannot help you with this research. <laughs> I am not going to Google. Oh my God, my cat just scared the shit out of me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like jumpy now. I do not like spiders. If you hadn't picked up on that, yeah, I cannot. I cannot okay. Google and look at the images of spiders. It's not okay. going to happen. Whales and spiders. Got it. Are you okay? <laughs> me telling you some facts about spiders. Yes, that is fine. Okay, just grip your desk and it'll be over soon. (laughs) I understand that it seems like if you're morphing a spider, it would be cool to be a spider, but the morphing part and the acquiring part both would suck majorly. But I do, I am better with like fuzzy spiders, like tarantulas, than with like big spindly gross spiders, so. I mean, tarantulas, I mean, obviously if they're domesticated and stuff, they'd be really friendly. Um, Pretty, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, if anybody has ever seen the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show episode about tarantulas and about how freaked out Travis gets, that would be me. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Did I tell you guys my brother bought a tarantula when he was a teenager and um, he kept it in the house for a few days and that was like way too much for me, but he ended up releasing it in a Hollister in the mall. (laughs) He he released it where? And a Hollister in a, in a mall. That's oh a my god! And anamorphs on brand. <laughs> Why did he release it? Why? <laughs> he ate at the he... Hollister. He worked there for a little bit. <laughs> oh my god! Did he stick around and and see if someone discovered it? I don't think or, so. Or or did it just die of like? I don't know. He put it perfume under some, and, he, and he put it under some pants. <laughs> oh my god oh god oh, no poor spider <laughs> i am that's that steve carell no 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 i i i, I just wanted out of the house i was so happy it was out of the house i was just like wow uh, poor spider uh, boy yep. okay wolf spiders everybody <laughs> Woo, let's get into some factoids uh, I'm bummed. Okay. okay, wolf spiders are robust, agile hunters, and they have excellent eyesight. So they chose correctly when they needed this morph to find out, uh, to see through the hologram uh, around the androids. So wolf spiders, uh, although I just don't think that's probably their headlining attribute is they can see through android holograms. Uh, <laughs> wolf spiders, though, live mostly in solitude, and they hunt alone, uh, and they do not spin webs. Some are opportunistic hunters and they pounce upon prey as they find it uh, or they uh, chase it over short distances, kind of like how Marco did where we were describing in the last uh, episode, he got distracted with the spider uh, persona and instincts and just uh, started chasing a beetle. Uh, But other wolf spiders uh, wait for passing prey in or near the mouth of a burrow and then they catch it and then pull it in. Wolf spiders resemble nursery web spiders because I know you guys have a frame of reference for that. Uh, (laughs) Two of the wolf spiders' eight eyes are large and prominent 
and this distinguishes them from actually other spiders like nursery rub spiders whose eyes are all roughly equal size and like i was saying the eyes generally are smaller on uh bigger spiders like tarantulas too so uh that's how i think they're it's distinguished with those features on what the the cover art is the many genre of wolf spiders range in body size legs are not included so <laughs> just their body alone can range from like a point four to 1.38 inches. 1.38 inches is pretty damn big. <laughs> it's, uh, oh God, like maybe like half the size of your thumb and that's like just their, their body. Uh, they have eight eyes and it's arranged in three rows. The bottom row consists of four small eyes. The middle row has two very large eyes and the top row has two medium sized eyes. And unlike most arachnids, which generally are blind or have poor vision, wolf spiders have excellent eyesight and they're unique in a way in this way that they actually carry their eggs with them the egg sac uh, is like a round silken globe and is you can hear my dog right now is attached to the spinnerets at the end of uh, the spider's abdomen and uh the when it's carrying on the eggs the spider uh carries her unhatched young essentially with her and the abdomen must be held up and in, in like a raised position to keep the egg sac from dragging on the ground uh and she's actually still able to uh uh hunt uh even kind of with raising her butt so high carrying all her young ends on her back all another aspect unique to wolf spiders is their method of caring for their young so after their little spiderlings hatch uh friend from the silken cage they actually climb her up on the mom's legs and crowd on her dorsal side of her abdomen and she actually carries her babies around for several weeks before they're large enough to disperse and fend for themselves so like no other spider currently known is uh actually carries and rears their young on their backs for any period of time they're they, they they're usually of the dunk and they leave gross yeah uh, <laughs> because they depend on camouflage for protection, wolf spiders do not have the flashy appearance of some other kind of spiders, so they're not super colorful or anything like that. Wolf spiders play an important role in natural population control of insects and are often considered beneficial bugs due to the their predation of pest species within farms and gardens. So even though we kind of are scared of spiders, these spiders are very good at, you know, taking out a lot of bugs that cause us a lot of problems and potentially not allow us to eat food. So wolf, uh, that being said, wolf spiders do have a venomous bite, but if, and they will bite if they're like continually provoked, but they won't go seeking, you know, to go out and bite nope. you. Symptoms. I, I just Googled, I, I just Googled wolf spider territory to try and figure out if we can add this to our map. And I cannot do that because there's just a, Pictures of giant wolf spiders. Anyway, okay. carry on. I'll, I'll take that burden. I will look through okay, and, 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 and uh, map them out. So their symptoms of their bites include swelling, mild pain, and itching, um, but it's not as bad as, say, other spiders' venomous bites. Wolf spiders are found in a wide range of habitats, both coastal and inland. These include in shrublands, woodlands, and west coastal forests, even like alpine meadows, and definitely gardens and homes. Spiderlings, they <laughs> disperse airily, uh, so consequently wolf spiders have a wide distribution. Although some species have very specific microhabit needs, such as like <laughs> as uh, uh, streamside gravel beds or uh, montane herb fields. Most are wanderers without permanent homes. 
Some build burrows and they can be left open or have a trap door, depending on the species. <laughs> and arid zone species construct turrets or plug their holes which with like leaves or pebbles during the rainy season so to protect themselves from being flooded. Also, oh, they are found a lot in uh, man-made locations such as sheds and other outdoor equipment. And wolf Blech. spiders are very, very widespread and dispersed and... Yeah, they, they do good by keeping a, a lot of bugs at bay for us. They they eat them. That's Ooh, what I'm trying to that. They eat They eat bugs. They're good. Yeah, a lot it's of bugs fine. cause a lot of problems. They, they, they're they your your great white sharks of uh, of the bug world. You, you need them. <laughs> they can do that, but like away from my home. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> I know, the fact that they, they can get up to like over an inch in just their body let alone not even including their legs that's where it's just like oh bubba you you can you can be a big one i just had to take my headphones out of my ears that's my thing with spiders is is ear stuff so when i was a kid or i was like a teenager and uh so ipods used to come with earbuds that had these little fuzzy covers that you put over them to make them more comfortable in your ears and I had just gotten done vacuuming and I just like yanked my earbuds out and put them away. And then later I went and like touched my ear and the fuzzy thing had stuck in the ear and I panicked. I was like, there's a spider in my ear or it laid eggs. And like that was immediately where my <laughs> mind went. And that's why I have to sleep with the covers over my ears. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. No, I get then, it. I get it. Yeah. And then in Nurse Jackie, there's not one, but two episodes, two, where someone gets a spider stuck inside their ear. No, no, I can't handle that. Two episodes. Can't handle it. No, I get it. Can't do it. If that happened to me, I would have to be completely knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) Completely. Until it was gone for several days. (laughs) I can't. I would hurt myself, like, clawing at it. Like, I would have a p- completely lose control of my body. <laughs> so, you know. I don't think yeah, I should that's... probably even, yeah, expound on that topic because it's a lot of heebie-jeebies. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I, I understand that that that's a that's a very real fear. Yeah. Got it. So that's specifically where, where the spider fear comes from. Before that, I wasn't even that really scared of spiders. I don't know why, even though I knew that it was not true. It just put that idea in my head. I don't remember I the... the fuzzy thing. I don't remember fuzzy things on uh, AirPod. Sounds like or, making uh, your ears sweat. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I guess I wasn't as fancy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I didn't have an iPod till I was like sixteen, and it was gifted to me. So, like, I honestly did start listening to music for a very long time in my life. I missed. I missed all the '90s and early 2000s. Like, yeah, I was, I was similar. For... So they're called. So if you Google soft pods, AirPod tip covers, it's pretty much that. Although this is like a modern for for AirPods, but. That's what they look like. It's just like hmm. foam covers. Oh, interesting. See, so. I remember the foam colors, obviously, for like Walkman or like bigger headphones yes. like that. It's that material, that material, but obviously smaller. So, oh, that's yeah, exactly. feeling that in your ear does not feel that, that probably won't feel that great. Yeah. Okay. It was, well, it was fine because it was like padding, but that was pretty much it. So, anyway. Those are our wolf I... spider facts and those are our life traumas. Thank you for uh, <laughs> attending this. Uh, this rendition of bringing uh, out a childhood uh, 
traumatic instances. <laughs> yes. And uh, Jason, do you want to help us uh, uh, go into uh, the book and figure out where Marco's going next now that Eric knows he is an Animorph? Yes. And now everybody hold on to your guacamole because <laughs> it's going to get, I don't know, fresh up in here. <laughs> um, he's, okay. he's eating chicken. radical (laughs) right barbecue chicken mashed potatoes and corn on the cob what are you doing to me i'm so hungry (laughs) right and so apparently this is the top of his dad's cooking ability which like isn't (laughs) shit which is great um you know we get a little 90s you know single like a child of a single parent like marco used to have to cook for himself and blah 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 he's glad his dad is now home and more of himself now he's you know tear to your eye yay 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 but i liked this relationship with his dad it was really sweet yes they're eating they're talking they're sharing food you know marco's a breast kind of guy but we need to get into the real tea for this so marco's asking his dad you know how's work been lately and he's like, well, we're finishing up the observatory project. You know, he still can't figure out what happened, you know, with the software that his friend No, aka Axe, made. <laughs> but, you know, they don't dwell on that for a while. I like that throwback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, okay, what well, you'll do. He's like, what are you going to do after the observatory? And, you know, Marco's trying to seem nonchalant about it, but his dad's. Uh, seems to be getting a little suspicious, but he's like, a project I can't talk about for this company called Matcom. And he's like, Marco's like laughing, like building a better bomb. And then his dad's in a strange voice is like, well, I've never done weapons research before. And Marco's like, why not? And obviously this poking is making his dad a little bit easy, but his dad does come clean and he's like, it was your mom. Um, you know, and this is where it gets spicy. Hold on, everybody. Seriously. Um, so the last year and a half before his mom died, they were they were in like this perfect relationship. His dad felt like him and his, um, Marco's dad and his mom. Uh, they were doing really great. But he said, before that, we used to fight every now and then, you know, like regular most couples. But it was all of a sudden, like, all our problems were gone. And then, um, you know, she, he's like, Marco's dad's like, maybe she had changed. I don't know. Uh, but then Marco's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah. basically, this is the time when Mark, when Marco's mom had been taken over by Visor One. So Marco realized that his mom had been with him for about a year and a half as a controller um so that could possibly be about the time the yurks started their invasion of earth so it's been a while anyway so uh one one night marco's dad woke up and marco's mom was sitting up in bed wide awake um and he's like there was something off about her it felt strange it felt like she was trapped in a deep well and calling out to me and there were tears and marco's getting very teary about this um and so basically marco's mom had told marco's dad they won't take you if you stay away from the military. Um, you know, and that didn't make any sense to Marco's like dad. Like military she... project, sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well, like just a, military just project. Military. Just stay away from the military. And Marco's dad, this makes sense to him, but he felt like she was trying so hard to say it. And like it was the most important thing ever. And so basically Marco's mom had like struck when the Yurk was distracted or did something just, you know, tried with all of her might with some of this control to basically warn her husband to, to just stay away from this because they want his father for the military. When this Matcom is a military company, or I guess a military contract company, and the Yerkes have control of it, and so they want to make his dad a controller, and so basically yeah, his mother warned him about this, and um, so 
Marco does not want his dad taking the job, but it's a little bit too late on this. But so we just hope that Marco's dad doesn't become a controller, but we find out the controllers had Marco's mom or the Yerks had Marco's mom for a while. And so it's sort of really, it's really sad, but also like creepy because it's like, Marco's like, oh, like, you know. Well, Marco now has his answer of he was wondering how many, how much time it was when his mom was taken. And now he knows it was about a year and a half. He was wondering, like, was it like, you know, when I was six years old and we were opening Christmas presents together? Was that it? Or, yeah. uh, he was never sure. So, yeah, it wasn't yeah. when she disappeared that, you know, she was, yeah, the disappeared was all staged. Not, I guess that like, kind of clears like, like up. Her, yeah, like her being taken was not coincidence. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So the next chapter how are they going to follow this up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that one's heavy. <laughs> also, you had the guacamole. Now hold on to your tacos. So, <laughs> mm, guacamole. I <laughs> so, know. It so, sounds so good. <laughs> I do have I'm, avocados. I'm so hungry right now. Stop. Um, <laughs> I, I'm doing it to myself, obviously. <laughs> so, okay. so they meet at, they meet at Eric's house. Um, Jake, Cassie, and Axe are going, and Marco are going in, and then Rachel and Tobias, the power couple, are staying outside to, you know, as <laughs> uh, security slash like literally rushing literal power couple <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah um so they knock on the door uh eric's dad mr king <laughs> what a name um mm. opens up and has them uh basically follow him down to the basement um and this don't forget basement... about there's there's two dogs that they have the oh, androids they... have they have a, a lab mix and a fat little terrier that is true. They, they, they do, they do. And then Cassie tells uh, Mr. King, uh, Mr. King's like, do you like dogs? And Cassie's like, if I could, if reincarnation was real, I'd want to like come back as a dog. And Cassie's like, that seems, or Marco's like, that seems to be the most perfect thing to have said because, you know, you just notice like subtle things about other people. That was like the password to get into their house. Really. <laughs> yeah, the secret. Right, okay, you good people. <laughs> so basically they they make it to the basement and the chamber like the basement starts like going down like an elevator and has that elevator feeling yes yeah, crazy and, contraption yeah and and they're very like they react very well to this they don't seem overly shocked and they're actually making funny conversation with mr king about it <laughs> we're just going down deep into the earth from your basement okay <laughs> my basement doesn't do those blah blah like little jokes i was like okay like we're all <laughs> i mean all the all the all the pretenses are gone away. Like they, you know, they're all aware of everything. So yeah, um, they meet Eric and basically, um, but before this, they notice what's at the very bottom of this is basically like a football park size thing underground with this large replica sun. And there's actually nature and streams and grass and butterflies and, and crap. And then there's thousands of dogs as well. So wait, did you just say dogs. football park? Yeah, it's like a football size <laughs> park okay <laughs> oh no i just liked i like the uh the the grass and trees and streams and butterflies and crap that part is why <laughs> like, oh, like i mean there's dogs nature. down there there is crap right <laughs> yeah. i did think about that i was like that's a oh yeah hope. um but there's thousands of dogs but only like half a dozen of the robots or the androids they can see it at least at this point this um, is just sounds so wonderful it's a right, lot if you ever if i'm ever lost ratio. guys i'm here <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to find where, where, where'd kate go oh yeah, yeah she's just here. at the giant dog park <laughs> underground <laughs> um so eric is like we are the chi that's what they're called the chi c-h-e-e and so your acts is like your androids, and they're like, yes, duh, 
obviously. Um, you have, <laughs> Clued in. <laughs> yeah. But Axe notes that they do have a very high level of technological sophistication. And um, Eric smiles <laughs> and like, we're just a creation. Uh, and in the vision of our creators, the great builders are the ones. And so basically it's like, okay, why are we brought here? And so, um, you know, like, did you know we were dogs at the concert? And Eric is like, not completely, but like, you know, building the inkling sort of a thing. Like, sort of yes, sort of no. And they're like, but you were a part of the sharing. You were hearing out flyers. And like, well, true, we were doing that. But if we share my story with you, then you'll probably understand, you know, who and what we are and why. And um, so uh, Eric starts telling the story. Um, but he does it in a cool hologram way, which is awesome. Um, so they go to a planet. It's not Earth. There's two suns. One small, which is almost red, and the other four times as big as Earth's sun and a deeper gold. There's tons of trees and flowers at nature and shit. Um, so that's cool. Giant mushrooms, which is okay, real cool. Um, and then there's some leathery, leaping three-legged animals on these mushrooms. <laughs> and then they see the main animal is two-legged creature. It's about four feet tall. Um, it had long, floppy ears and a muzzle. Uh, it's a very dog-like. Um, if, it could walk, if dogs could walk on their hind legs. Um, it looked like Eric when he dropped his hologram. So obviously made in the image of these creatures. Yeah. Eric says they're known as Pemalites. Um, and 100,000 years before the Andalites learned to make fire, the Pemalites were capable of faster than light travel. So, Puny um, Andalites. <laughs> yeah. So Axe's <laughs> tail twitched a little at that. You know, his little Andalite superiority complex hurt a little bit. You know, um, it's good. They have way too big egos. <laughs> yeah. yeah they right. Need, they need to be brought down a peg. But, so it's great that we find these Pemalites. Pemalites. Uh, Pamela Anderson, are... Uh, <laughs> you got in one with the pronunciation. Some people like to pronounce it Pemalites, and I'm like, that sounds like a, like a nutrition shake for chill, for babies. <laughs> or for uh, hangovers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, that's yeah. Pedia. <laughs> yes. Pedia so um, I like I like Pemalites. Yeah. Pemalites. Um, and so they're, they're a very ancient race and very technologically advanced. Very, very much so. Yeah. Um, even more than the Andalites, which we thought were the most technologically advanced species in the in the universe. Um, so yeah. um, at this time, they note that humans were just hairy apes when the Pemalites first visited Earth. So they they knew about Earth, they visited, and they left. Um, you know, obviously they say you know they're not a conquest sort of a, a species. Um, or they don't interfere with other planets either. Um, you know, the Pemalites just enjoyed life. They loved to play, very dog nature. They just loved games, jokes, and laughter. Um, you know, Eric noted they're a fully evolved race, which means they had no harsher instincts. They had no evil. They had no war. They had no um, aggression. And there was just happiness and laughter and games. So they were basically pacifists. Um, you know, so... That's that's a great thing about them. They're so advanced, so old that they they moved all past that. Mm-hmm. With that, the Pemalites made the androids as toys originally to play with. Um, you know, they they called us the Chi, which is the Pemalite word for friend, which is sweet. A very dog, you know, dog human relationship. Dog human. It's 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 full circle. It's back and forth. It's layers. It's layers. They they treat each other as equals too. They they made them in their image, but uh, it, it wasn't like a subservient thing at all. Yeah. They had, a, you know, they had us do work. They had them also created to be companions. But again, they, yeah, they did note not not slaves, not mechanical race of slaves. They gave them obviously very high intelligence, um, you know, abilities to their AI is amazing. Um, and so then just one day happened, there, there was a, you know, they 
just all of a sudden, like, they get attacked. Giant beams of light start slicing the ground, you know, around them. And, like, things are incinerated. Like, the trees are incinerated. Eric says the howlers came. So the howlers are this antagonistic species. We don't know much about them because it seemed to be a very sudden attack. Like, thousands of ships came out of zero space suddenly. I want to make a prediction here, small one. Even though the howlers are super scary, I think they're going to come in and destroy, uh, use to battle Yerks at some point as a distraction. You think the howlers Wait. are going to fight the Yerks? I think there might be a combat between Yerks and howlers at some point in the future. Oh, like like it's like there's more than one species in the universe trying to gain galactic domination. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, they do mention a dying traitor, which means, okay, there seems to be another race that's not taken over by Yerks. That seems to be third Yeah, there party. seems to be, there's alluding to more and more races, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and they're keeping it open. Like, they're not mentioning names so that they can add in more details later, which is smarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically total carnage like their their world is being destroyed and it's just such a scene of massacre that they really can't describe it and like they're all crying like it's just brutal um so almost the entire all of the pemelites were wiped out a few hundred chi and a few hundred pemelites left the planet in a single ship and they went to earth and of course the kids are like why didn't you fight back you're so technologically advanced and again that's where the whole pacifist thing is like they they forgotten the way of war they had no weapons they didn't make anything for for combat you know they were so advanced and peaceful it, it just wasn't even an option for them so you know mark was a little frustrated about that but they basically escaped to earth and in about fifty thousand years since they had visited so about um, so I guess 50, 50, 50K ago from, I guess, current time. And um, they had noted, okay, now the humans have developed cities, domesticated animals, planting crops. So obviously in a much better space to, to join. They landed on Earth and there's only six Pemelites clinging to life at this time because the Pemelites had, um, on their way to Earth, had died of a sickness, which is, you know, unfortunate because the Howlers also, also with giant lasers, use germ warfare. So fuck. Mm-hmm. They're a race of war criminals. Yep. So basically, even more so than humans. Yeah. Anyway. So so even with all the technologically advanced stuff, they couldn't save the Pemelites from dying from the sickness. So what they did is they took the essence of the Pemelites and bred it with wolves, which were close to what sort of Pemelites are. Obviously not hum- humanoidish at all, not bipedal, and but just you know doggy like. And so with that, that's where the dogs came from, is they bred the Pemelites with the wolves to make dogs. So that's why dogs are so nice and loving and playful. And well, they joyous. didn't really breed Pemelites. They put the souls of their, the, the Pemelites, the last Pemelites they had with them into their, like, essence into the wolves and then bred I feel those. like it's got to be more, like, scientific. I don't, I don't know if they're like, really they souls. They splice them together. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Exactly. So there's some, you know, com- combination of stuff going on here. And that's what and yeah, yeah I, I don't mean this is just my breeding. I don't mean this is just like a Pemelite did it with a wolf. <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, I'm dying and I'm sick and hey, how about this wolf here? You find it attractive? <laughs> uh, why not? I'm dying. <laughs> um, no, so so yeah, they're 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 cro- they're combined genetically re- recombined to make dogs. So that's we now find the origin of dogs, in the which Animorphs I think universe. might be technological, like timeline wise, that might be kind of accurate if it was fifty thousand years. Yeah, but we love continuity. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll bring this back in our, in the actual dog book, and we'll talk about domestication and how that no, plays from into the timeline. What I recall, that should be about right. 
And then what the, this is the reasons why the Chi have so many dogs is because it's like the best parts of their, their creators. And, you know, it's like their creator's legacy. And so that's why they have so many dogs and love dogs and care about them so much because they mean so much to them because there was such a positive relationship between the Chi and the Pamelites. So it's a very sweet, it's very, very sweet relationship. Um, So another big, big backstory, you know, truth bomb going on here. So that's great. Um, so, um, with that, the, the hologram ends, um, they're like, well, we live our roles as humans, um, you know, we play child, grow older, then our hologram die, and then they start over again as children. So it's, it's quite a, it's a, a process. Yeah. Yeah. So they do basically just live many, many lives, you know, even back to the great pyramids, you know, Eric mentioned the point I was there. I, you know, had to keep my, I was a slave working with the quarry of stone, but I had to, it was a challenge because I had to hide my true strengths from the humans because the Pemelite homeworld has four times the gravity. So the robots remain to be super strong. So that also plays in a thing later, um, which is, which is great. Um, they don't fight and, um, there's this other, uh, she that comes she's older older woman like 80 years old um named maria for this time being and she is upset with eric because it's eric and some of eric's other friends who are very much like wanting to fight the yarks and mira's like we don't fight and it's like eric's like yeah i know like that's hardwired into them but like he's like we can still infiltrate and like you know do be like passive you know in this but still contribute to the effort you know maria's like sort of into that not into that i'm sort of like girl just like come on, like, you can't be completely neutral to this, because Erica's like, they're gonna hurt the dogs, they hurt the humans, like, they're so intertwined with each other, like, we gotta save the dogs. Yep, Um, protect dogs. (laughs) So, um, and Mark was like, well, if you guys had maybe, you know, had some of this or fight, maybe you could have saved the Howlers and saved the Pemelites, maybe, you know, you wouldn't have that. And and there was like, you would ask us to fight, even though you know it's, like, against us, you would ask us to be a thing like no chi has ever killed taken a life and they're all the kids are all like yes because our loved ones are at stake here so we were going to do any like whatever we can possible and if that means you know like sort of tainting your 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 race and your whole thing they're like yes whatever cassie has a little bit more reservations about it but um obviously but um so the kids are into it but they also learn about how they're infiltrating so basically um they got a yerk was put into Eric but not really it was like put into his head but he like robotifies and like opens up and is like um there's a york kept in a in like a uh in the sphere in inside him and it's like wrapped in like tiny wires and so basically Eric has captured a york and he's feeding it conjoner rays that he makes with his own body and then tapping into it so instead of the york tapping into like a human brain um Eric is basically, like, mind-reading the Yerk. Of which, that really needs to come into more play. Like, there's a lot of information you could use from that, if right. it is true. Yeah, they are They are basically, from this point forward, the mission messengers. They're the plot bringers. The br- bringers of plot for the book. Ah, yeah, <laughs> hey, we-, we have new news that this is what the Yerks are doing. Yeah, that kind okay. of thing. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> um and they just, they, when they do when they go to the pool and they do when they do like the the exchange they fake it and they just do a hologram about it um yeah he so like that's... fakes a hologram of a yerk going into the pool so it makes it look like he's still a human controller and then fakes it coming back into him uh and so he can keep the facade up and still be a part of the sharing yeah their hologram systems are very advanced yeah um, 
so again like boom 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 <laughs> like they have captured yurks and fully infiltrated which is great so they they come back up through the basement and they had been gone a while oh and... you forgot about the oh, uh, human light crystal you be, the, the plot point for the rest of this book <laughs> yes sorry i did forget about that so um Basically, Eric's whole plan, what he wants to do is, so the Yurks have gotten this crystal from a dying traitor. It's a Pemolite crystal. So obviously from the Pemolite homeworld, it is actually basically a supercomputer. It's like a super processor, like the like even more advanced than like Andalite technology. And so the Yurks got that. And when they have infiltrated Earth enough, they're going to use it to basically take control of all the computers, which is big deal. Yeah, that would be... It's a, it would be over okay. at that point. Yeah. yeah. So Eric wants to take away uh, the Pemlite Crystal, obviously, for that, but also because he wants to use it because it's something strong enough that could overwrite their, their pacifism programming to make it so that they can fight, so that um, the Chi can join the fight against the Yurk. So that's what Eric really wants um, to use it for. So <laughs> now that we've gotten that, um, they have, they're going back upstairs. They've been gone for a while and they start hearing this angry sounds like a bear. They're like, oh shit, <laughs> Rachel like, <laughs> um, came in because they were gone for so long and they couldn't communicate by, they were you know, too far away. They couldn't communicate with mind speak. So Rachel's roaring. Mr. King has Rachel a full Nelson. Like, no This problem. is really funny. <laughs> like, so yeah. Rachel, Rachel's bear morph, no match for Mr. King. And he's not even like, you know, doing it to like kill he's just like he's not hurting her yeah he's just restraining her and like no problem at all so she's like yelling at him and thought speak <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so you know that she are very strong which is great and she's like where have you guys been i waited you know you will be dead if you don't have a good reason for this um and, and they and they do obviously um i kind of want to think that the two dogs that they have upstairs are just barking around her going get her <laughs> yeah. get her <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So basically, also Eric was at Marco's mom's funeral, and basically Eric knew that Marco's mom had become a controller. What? Um, knew it. Knew at that point. So that was you know another little exchange with them, and they knew. Yeah, and Marco's like, "Yeah, I already know. She's visitor one, actually." And he's like, "Okay, all right. Well, you I guys actually know some stuff." <laughs> you know. So you know, so maybe some two people coming together more equally, which is great. So. Then they have their Socratic dialogue about whether or not this is a moral thing to do. Yeah. And Cassie says no. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it's it's the android's choice. Like, if Eric and any other android willingly, because they have free will, willingly, right. for the most part, willingly wants to do it, then that's their choice. They can do that. You know? Yeah. But, you, you know, they don't have to force. I think Eric's plan is possibly the force even the ones that don't want to to do it yeah it's it's interesting because it never really clarifies whether it's all or nothing i think or whether like you could just do d- yes or no and then be on an individual basis so it's a li- that kind of changes the conversation a little bit because if it's all or not all the chi or no none of the chi then that's kind of that's more of a conversation as opposed to if they're allowed to choose individually then that's you know, that's fine. You can choose individually. It kind of seems that's where they landed as they were choosing kind of individually. Eric and his few other androids that aligned with him are kind of for getting involved and the others are just like, we'll stay here and take care of the dogs. Well, that's pretty much wraps it up for, for that little part. We basically now have the more, not central, but more the driving end for the, for the book. Yeah, we're yeah. reaching. We now know where with the climactic 
probably death-inducing situation is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Get the crystal. Yeah, so the plan is, okay, so the room where the Pemelite crystal is is, like, security central. Basically, you can't touch the floor. There's no light, and a, a single, like, photon of light will set off the sensors, set off the alarm, and there's wires. So it's full darkness. You can't touch the floor. There's all these wires that you have to navigate, and... So they're like, yeah, this is impossible. How are we going to do this? And then Cassie's like, oh, I have an idea. <laughs> and Marco says, oh, cool. I got to be Spider-Man. Now I get to be Batman. Yeah. So the plan is bats. They're also going to do it in a week, which means, yay, they have time to prepare and test the morph because it's going to be some tough navigating. And then but... while Marco is at home doing some math homework, he gets a phone call from Eric and... He's like, oh, hi, Eric, what's up? And Eric says, not much. I was just thinking, though, you know that thing we were going to do next weekend? Why don't we just do it tonight instead? And Marco's like, oh, shit, this, this something's wrong, obviously. Like, he's not just planning to rush this thing. And Marco says, okay, maybe I'll call Jake and ask and see if he wants to do it. So they meet up and turns out they're going to be adding in a new security feature next week. So they can't wait because the security might be impossible because he this can't figure out what it is. This is where I thought this was a little sus where I was like, is Eric really on their side or is he like <laughs> double double crossing and trying to get them like into uh, unplanned and into the, the Yerk's hands even more. Obviously it doesn't quite turn out that way but it kind of seemed a little weird that that came out of nowhere and it's just like, I don't know if Eric's credibility is fully like, you know, there yet. Yeah, but why would he want to get them killed, like, if... He has a yerk inside him. I don't know if that yerk is actually controlling him or not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it didn't look like it. Okay, so basically, um, they vote to go in today because also the more they wait, the like, if they wait a week, see what the thing is, then they have to wait another week to prep, you know, it also might be enough time for them to finish the program that they are trying to develop. So they're like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. And... Basically, the plan is for Marco and Axe to morph the wolf spider again, spin some silk, and jump down a pipe into the basement of this building, the Matcom building, which is the company that's developing the software that's owned by Yerks. And so then everybody else is going to morph cockroach and follow, like, take the silk rope down <laughs> into the basement. But turns out that... Um, they didn't have enough silk. They ran out of silk before they reached the bottom, so they just kind of had to <laughs> drop. And they didn't know how far they had to drop, but they just did, and they bounced, and they were fine. <laughs> so then the cockroaches There's do the same thing. There's a lot of bouncing <laughs> this yeah. whole trip. And they're like, well, if the, the spider survived, the cockroaches are going to survive, so let's go. And then they fall, and they land nearby. Okay, so they're like, hmm, I wonder where we are in the basement of this building. Oh, it seems like it's probably the furnace. Oh, like, hopefully, (laughs) since it's nighttime, this building's furnace isn't going to kick on. But if it does, we're going to get vaporized. So they head on towards the room in the right direction, and a rat shows up. So they run away from the rat, and they go into this strange field that has, like, these jagged spires like steel they had an opening at the top and it's got a weird smell 
So they're like, Marco's like, I don't know what this is. And Jake is like, let's just go. Let's go very quickly out of this place. And then Marco realizes, oh no, it's the furnace, isn't it? The spires are where the gas comes out and then it lights, you know, the gas on fire to heat the building. And so they're crossing really quickly and suddenly they hear a hissing noise and it's gas and the furnace is going to kick on and they barely make it. Like Jake, Rachel, and Axe are all ahead of everybody. Cassie and Marco, like very close to being incinerated. Oh, and the the rat was like, hell no, I'm yeah. not going to follow you guys yeah. in there. I'll find other dinner. <laughs> yeah, and Axe is like, we should thank the rat. If the rat hadn't chased us, we would have been a lot further back than we actually ended up being and we would have been incinerated. So that was good. And then again, Marco mentions that would have left a big wad of Marco mass floating in Z-space. So we yeah, he's not going to let that go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they're in this big room. They're six feet up. They have to drop into the room, but stay within two feet of the wall any further than that and they set off the pressure sensors that are on the floor so they jump down then they morph bat and they haven't even tested the morph again <laughs> they mm-hmm. could have tested the morph like on the way there mm-hmm. yeah the they they morphed owl instead but like test the bat morph why not morph bat on the way there they're not they're that much pretty slower. fast yeah yeah so They go and they morph and Marco's like, okay, let's test out this whole echolocation thing. And he describes it as like being able to sense the room. So he senses the wires that are strung up and down and at weird angles throughout the room. And at the middle of the room, in the middle of the room, there's a sort of pedestal. And so he's like, okay, let me give it my best shot. And he just lets the bat do the flying and... It's like 10 seconds to get to the center of the room of just like echolocating and navigating through these wires extremely quickly, which again makes it seem like they should have maybe added some more, some like movement security in here, like sensing movement at all would set off the, set off the Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they were so thorough, but you know. So they get into the middle of the room. They're like, okay, we found the crystal. It's about the size of a grape. How do we do this? Because they can't, they don't have like hands or talons or anything to grab it with. I so... mean, I thought their feet could have. Yeah. they Bats grab uh, with their very strong feet, you know, the roofs of caves and cling on like. <laughs> yeah, I... it should be fine. And then Jake's like, okay, I'll grab it in my mouth and, you know, we'll do that. And Cassie's like, um, no, if you have the crystal in your mouth, you can't echolocate. So we're kind of screwed. How are you going to see genius? <laughs> yeah. So Cassie also men- mentions we should never get cocky. It's tempting the irony gods. Irony gods? Axe asked. Yeah, Cassie said. The bitter spirits who wait around until you get cocky then hammer you. These are real? Axe <laughs> asks. No, of course not. How do we get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> These are real? Yeah. yeah. So what sort of things um, do you have here on this earth? <laughs> yeah. And so their their biggest plan that they've got is just morph their battle morphs and just fight their way out of there. Do not actually do not fight their way out of there. Just try and get past people and like get out of there as fast as possible. So that's what they do. Marco morphs gorilla, Rachel morphs grizzly, Jake is tiger, and Cassie is wolf, and Andalite axe is axe. So then they step off of the pedestal, which must have been pretty big <laughs> to hold all of those animals, and they just barrel past. 
Rachel is opening doors by just breaking them down and the alarms are going off and they're just running. They're trying to navigate this building. They're going past offices and all of a sudden they've reached the outer wall of the building. There's a glass wall in between them and the outside and also in between them and the outside is two dozen hork <laughs> And so they're kind of screwed. There's also a bunch of human controllers with rifles. And this woman, uh, this middle-aged woman wearing normal street clothes just steps to the front and is like, ha ha, I've got you, Andalite bandits. And she sees that they have the crystal. And she's like, give me the crystal. And he's like, um, I don't think so. Uh, Marco <laughs> has the crystal because he's the only one with hands. And I mean, Axe does too have hands. That's true. That's true. But he has weak baby hands. <laughs> T-Rex hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, it does mention the Hork-Bajir have claw feet like Tyrannosaurus Rexes. So there you go. I know. I was excited. <laughs> so the woman is like, oh, you cannot shoot with all those rifles that you have because if you hit the crystal, that's going to destroy it. And the crystal is worth more than the mothership and everything in it. And so she's like, okay, human controllers, step back. Hork-Bajir controllers go in slashing. So they attack and there's this brutal fight. Marco mm-hmm. immediately gets his chest cut open. He gets his stomach cut open. He can see his insides. They're just fighting for their lives. These are like elite Hork-Bajir. Yes. Right? These are like extra super badass Hork-Bajir. I don't know why they also didn't just like negotiate more. Like I'll just like feel like I'll smash the crystal if you don't let us go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's like, it gives them a chance to get it back. Either way, continue. Sorry. I was just like, okay. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. Uh, I don't know. Can it be smashed? Well, <laughs> if it... a bullet can break it, like. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So Marco even gets stabbed in the heart from a hork and he's like starting to fade out and starting to die. And he smashes the glass with his gorilla fist and feels fingers pry his hand open to get the crystal and then passes out and later much later someone slapped my face morph back marco morph back do it and cut to he wakes up on the ground he's fully human again he's like oh man i was so close to being dead and jake's like you were dead you died and and eric jump-started your heart again And then they reveal that Eric, who's sitting in the corner crying, understandably, quote unquote, destroyed all of the Hork-Bajir and all of the human controllers. So presumably like four dozen people he just killed in 10 seconds, which is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Even though it's the only thing that they would have all died, but you know... That's pretty brutal, as Axe says. And Eric won't talk to any of them. He's just, you know, he's just crying over away from everybody. And Marco goes over to him and is like, you okay, man? And he's like, absolutely not. (laughs) He's like, you saved us. And Eric asks, how do you live with the memory? And notes that unlike humans, he is an android and his memories never fade. So it's just as... vivid and fresh as ever any recent memory and it's going to be forever he's going to remember this so i don't think it actually says but he reverted his programming back to it it says yeah he he uses the the crystal and reverts his programming back he's like i can't do this i can't kill and uh, but i'll try to help you any way i can and gives him back the crystal yeah exactly so he gives marco the crystal he's like i do not want this and so then we cut to they're at the beach with Homer 
and playing frisbee with Homer and a couple of <laughs> other dogs. And Marco's like, he's not quite that frisbee dog we saw on TV, but he's not bad. And Jake's like, hey, that was a professional frisbee dog. Homer's just in it for the sport. He doesn't even have any endorsements. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My, uh, uh, I don't know if any of your dogs growing up did this, but um, my dogs like watching if you turn on like the um, the dog shows or like uh, the dog kind of like frisbee or, or uh, like uh, competitions where they do agility and stuff like that. My dogs love watching the dogs on screen, like go through all the agility courses and, yeah. and do all these I sports. They watch. I tried doing that for Luna, and like she, she did not. <laughs> not she into it. Not care. <laughs> she could probably be really good at that if she if she, if she was into it. She's very agile and tiny. Yeah, our dogs just get transfixed when you turn basically that stuff on. It's like their version of sports on TV. That's really yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Marco notes that he ran into. Eric at the 7-Eleven yesterday, and he thinks Eric was looking for a place to accidentally run into him. And Eric gave Marco a phone number that's absolutely untappable, untraceable. Like, the Yerks could never hack into it, so anytime they need to talk to the Chi, they can call that phone number. And then Marco takes the crystal out of his pocket and gives it to one of the dogs that's playing with Homer. Oh no, sorry. He gives it to Homer. Um, but there's two other random dogs just chilling there watching. And Homer just, he doesn't swallow it. He just takes it in his teeth, runs out into the ocean and splashes around for a little bit and comes back and the crystal is gone, which I would also assume that he ate it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like you give a dog a great sized thing, it's going to swallow it. No, right? no, seriously. Yeah. So then that's it. Like the threes, they watch the three silly dogs and play more with the Frisbee and that's the end. Good dog theme uh, book. Who's a good boy? Guess the yeah. crystals lost like the heart of Titanic or the ocean, but like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they threw they threw the crystal into the ocean at the end. This is pre-Titanic, by the way. This is pre-Titanic. <laughs> oh, we know where James Cameron got the idea. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 90, 97 is this, and and that was ninety eight. So Homer, yeah. Homer's just laughing like Rose throwing into, into <laughs> the water. <laughs> yep. So yeah, like I said, the Chi come back. It's like the Chi and the Elemist are just the plot plot bringers. And I was thinking it's super convenient that the Chi, however many they are left, and as sparse as they are, it doesn't seem like there's a lot left, that they're all located in their one town uh, yeah, <laughs> where all this shit's going down. Well, maybe they're spread out a little bit, but also maybe they moved to there because that's where the Yerks were. And so they were like, gotta fight the Yerks. Yeah, because like they didn't know each other. I think it was... A- I think it was a few hundred came on the ship of Chi. And yeah, so maybe they're more are, spread out. Yeah, these things are strong, so they can't be destroyed very easily. So I bet they're probably definitely spread out because they only saw about six down underneath Eric's house. So. No, I thought there was more down there, but maybe not a hundred. Yeah. He said half a dozen as what they saw, at least visually okay. at the time. Okay, all right, and they talked to a few. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the important thing. Lots of dogs. Ah, <laughs> oh, fun times. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I need to go walk my dog now. <laughs> yeah. And I need to go pick my dog up from the groom. And my cat wants out of this room. Um, <laughs> so the next one we're going to be doing is book number 11, The Forgotten, which <laughs> involves... Okay, so there's some ant stuff that's kind of grisly, but I'm... Again. 
Uh, no way really again (laughs) they don't morph ants but they are in a dangerous environment that involves horrifying ants and there's also some uh, problematic portrayal of indigenous folks oh joy okay (laughs) we'll unpack that (laughs) yeah which we'll unpack there and then also this is another book wherein it's actually the second book where an anamorph dies oh so and in morph really good at this (laughs) they die a lot you guys they die a lot marco just marco just died here and got exactly uh uh, shenanigans there's a lot I, I totaled it up once on how many and how many um, animorphs have died or become controllers, and pretty much all of them at one point that happens to them. Yes. Yeesh. <laughs> so this is another one where they're like, "Oh, we can have animorphs die. It's fine." So anyway, just a heads up on that. And it is in morph, so it is, I guess, violence against an animal, but it's an animorph in morph. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You can at us what order do you think we should do corbusier chronicles and andalite chronicles actually i want to do andalite chronicles after 23 so tell us where we should put corbusier chronicles at morgan underscore slay or you could at us at middlemorph on twitter and check out my other podcast are the letter you the word serious pod where we talk about bad reddit relationships Ooh, that's kind mm. of yeah y'all y'all can find me on twitter at bottomless underscore prime yeah i think that's all i got (laughs) all right kate how can people get a hold of you i am not on social media so you know you can actually go haul rocks uh up on a hillside and you know create a message that way by spelling (laughs) out things and i love to hike so i'll eventually find it or if that doesn't quite work for you you can email us at middlemorph at gmail.com and your cat is definitely saying it's time to end this podcast (laughs) (laughs) yes so we'll see you guys next time with book 11 the forgotten which is the jaguar book Ooh, Ooh, book 11 y'all all All right bye bye